give your prayerful attention then to the Lord as this is a teaching and preaching, but a reflective type of sermon today. It's a little bit different than styles I've preached before, but I'm going to do my best. Amen. Dear, gracious, and heavenly Father, we ask that you clear our minds and our hearts on this first day of a brand new year. Let us remember only the things that you have given us this day. Let us lift up the praise. And God, I ask that you move me behind the cross, that I can preach what you have called me to preach this day of a new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, I remind you that today is January the 1st. It'll be another six or seven years, I believe, until January the 1st will return again on a Sunday. I'm not sure again, as I mentioned before, what makes the cycle fall the way it does. It's a combination between whether it's a leap year and what day it jumps over and how it cycles back. But nonetheless, today again is a Sunday and the new year begins this day on a Sunday. Why don't you give yourself a hand clap of praise for breaking the odds of fulfilling a resolution by being here with the Lord today? Give your hand hand clap of praise. So you see the studies of today, when it's out on the news, it says that people wouldn't show up for Christmas and people wouldn't show up for New Year's, but we're not just people. We're the family of the Most High God. We are His church and His people, so it is Sunday. Can you say it's Sunday? Amen. And on Sunday, there's something about putting God first. Not that you don't do it on other days, but it's something about putting Him first on today. Everybody's heard the New Year's resolution that says, I'm going to put something first this year. I'm going to put God first. They say statistically the number one thing people used to resolve to do was to quit smoking. And guess what? That's not top on the list anymore. <laughs> the national smokeout in November every year has encouraged more people to stop smoking. The cancer rates have been huge, and people say, I just don't want to go out like that. The low tar, the super tar, the no tar, whatever, has taken over different things, and they say the cigarette just isn't what it used to be. So that's no longer the top resolution. And then there's other resolutions that are really close to the top. I'm going to get right. I'm going to do something different. But they say the top resolution this year and many years before is the one and only I'm going to lose some weight. <laughs> we'll just skip right over that. Somebody had a resolution that says I'm going to come to church. Amen. We'll just focus in on the work we can do something about today. Look around you. Is somebody sitting next to you that you haven't seen in a while? Maybe you haven't seen since last year? You know. Somebody said, y'all well, that was yesterday. Y'all don't get fucked up on when it was. It was last year. <laughs> Look behind you. Are there any people you haven't seen in a while? Maybe there's someone you've never seen at all. Go ahead and turn around. It's, it's all good. We're family. You turn around and look at one and I say, hey. Hey. So I haven't seen that person since I don't know when. 
you see, you have to understand. They all sitting close to the back. You think we should switch it up and we go push back there and have the time out with this dude? What is it, musical chairs? Yeah. Everybody on the back row got to come to the front. Everybody on the front row got to go to the back. Yeah. Is that called a rolling torture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they said we're going to lose weight. We might as well get into action right away. <laughs> now, you know, there's some people, if you saw the robbers too fast, they'll be getting gay ministry. <laughs> Amen. The stores will be flooded and the Walgreens are used to be. We'll be trying to get over there and get some being gay. Being gay, it's all there. Don't, don't rush for the exercise. Roll into it. Move into it. But move into it nonetheless. But you see, there's promise-making and promise-breaking challenges that happen every year. But by the grace of God, we have an opportunity to be forgiven. And we have an opportunity to start over new every day. We can go to God and say, well, you know, I didn't quite make the treadmill today. Yeah, that's right. He said he can say it. Did you see him? He was talking noise back there. That's good. Yes. That's a praise report because there's some places that he couldn't talk noise. But in the house of the Lord, he can, say, he can praise God and say, I am all right with the Lord. Didn't you hear, didn't you hear that? That's what he said. Yes. He said, hey. I said to say, hey. And he said, hey. I'm not mad at him. But the important part is there are promises that are made every day. We make promises to ourselves. We make promises to one another. And we even make promises to God. But there's something greater than just a promise. And that's what part of this passage is about today. It really is about understanding both the praise, the promise, the, 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 re- the revelation that God is who God is. But the covenant of not only making the promise, but being willing to follow it through. If someone walked up to you and said, Oh, ye of little faith. That might shake up somebody who just made a kind of a quasi-modo promise. But if you made a covenant with the Lord, you'd have to say, maybe you don't see it manifesting yet. Maybe you haven't seen the epiphany in my life. Maybe you haven't seen the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. But this is bigger than just making a promise. This is a covenant with Jesus Christ. And a covenant is a gift. Ms. Mitchell asked the children and the young, you, what gift did they receive? And then she talked about the gift that was the greatest gift of all. What if you got a gift today that you couldn't see, that was so big that it was almost breathtaking? Would you receive it? Would you run after it? Would you pursue it? Well, that is what the gift of salvation is about. It is a gift of both promise and covenant that is wrapped with praise, wrapped with revelation, and wrapped with the blessings and the grace of Jesus Christ. On this, the first day of January, I ask you to consider, what does it take to unwrap the gift? You know, when you get that gift that has real pretty paper, and they look like they took it to the gift shop, and you just haven't had a gift that looked that cute in so long, you say, I don't know if I want to unwrap it. I need to let it sit here a while under the tree. 
you know, you have that look, you, you start moving on. I'm going to unwrap that mask because I know that's a great gift. And you get to the gift and you take up the paper just so slightly. So I don't know any of you that had grandparents or parents in their life that saved wrapping paper. Anybody had a, have a saved the wrapping paper? Now we saved the gift bag. But the folks who saved the wrapping paper, you are delivered today in the name of Jesus. I tell you, we would save that wrapping paper. We would take it off just. You know, we'd almost get a little razor blade out. I don't want to tear the paper. Because it's just so pretty. And I mean, we go through the, you know, motions of opening the paper, just taking off the box. And then to get in the package, and it was not what we thought it was going to be. My grandmother could read that face. You don't like that, get I got it wrapped up just for you. And you'd say, I love it, Grandmother. <laughs> oh, you know you're telling a story, girl. I told your mother that's not what you wanted, and I don't know. And, you know, we go through the whole story. But the paper was beautiful. The, ex, the, out, the outpouring of it was just fantastic. Well, that's kind of like the promises of God. We know they're huge. We know they're fantastic. They're wrapped up. But then when we go to open it, and it doesn't open up exactly like we think it's going to open up. Some of us say, is that the promise of the Lord? Does he want me to do that? Did he call me into this? And you say to yourself, I just want to unwrap the Lord. Give to me with praise, with thanksgiving, with excitement. So I say to you this morning, the gift of salvation is right here. Turn to your neighbor and simply ask your neighbor one question. Everybody got a neighbor. We said we family. Get turn and look at one another. Don't ask, get close enough to ask a question. <laughs> Y'all want to get personal about the soul salvation in here on January the first. Amen? Amen. The question is, neighbor, Amen. do you know the man? Whose name Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with the man? Now give her a chance to answer. We have all yeses in the house. We have all yeses in the house. Can we say yes to the yes? Yes. Oh, give her a hand clap of praise. So in some places they want to ask you if you know Jesus Christ. We just assume you know, but we want to know that you know. Because in 2006, you're going to unwrap some things. We're going to unwrap some things about Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that you know him, and you're guessing whether you know him, you might open up the box and think you're having a disappointment moment, and the sunshine is jumping out of the box, but you don't know what it looks like. For you see, your no's need to be no's, and your yeses need to be yeses. But your praise unto God needs to be praised anyhow. Can you imagine if you had opened up that pretty gift for grandmama, papa, or auntie, or your best friend, and you didn't quite like the gift, but you praised them for giving the gift anyway. Thank you for giving me the gift. Thank you for just thinking about me. Thank you for waking up this morning and putting some of your resources inside. Thank you for surviving the storm. And thinking enough of me to give me a little something, something. 
We have to be sometimes willing to just thank God for those who think and give. Their time, their talent, their heart, their blessings, and their willingness to just pick up the phone and call one another. Imagine, Miss Mitchell, if this lady right here never called you to say, come on, girl, and go to church with me today. It wouldn't mean that the Lord didn't still love you. It didn't mean that the church didn't love you. But somebody went the extra step. Yes. And said, I just want to see about you. Yes. No, you don't drive. You're not in the mood to jog right now, but it's still in you now. I've seen them get around. You can move fast, but she wants to. Amen. Amen. But just the fact that she's willing to think about one another and say, thank you for picking me up. And then I even asked Ms. Mark, I said, you supposed to be out here driving with your fancy shoe on? <laughs> she said, I'm delivered from that. I can still drive. Don't get, it was like, it looked like, don't get in my business, Pastor. It's not blocking me for driving. Don't be trying to be my doctor. <laughs> the fulfillment of the promises of the Lord. <laughs> we got to do what we got to do sometimes. To just feel what God is saying about His Word. This passage is a huge passage. It has three major themes, but it's about fulfillment. The beginning of it is about the fulfillment of the law. For you see, there was a law, and the law said that if you birth the Son, you had this sacrifice to make. If you birthed the daughter, you had this kind of sacrifice. But the mother had to be in purification. So after Jesus' mother Mary birthed Jesus, she had 40 days that she had to be in purification. And there's a lot of symbolism in here that if you're not looking at it carefully, you just might miss. But there's a verse that says, 24, it says, they offered a sacrifice of what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. We all have customs of what we offer unto the Lord. In that day and time, the sacrifice that was offered said a lot about where you were economically. If you offered frankincense gold, if you offered larger gifts, if your sacrifice was another kind of sacrifice, you had more money. That's not very different than where it is today because by them offering the turtle doves and the two young pigeons, the commentary says, it says that they were impoverished people. Does anybody know that impoverished people live today? They live in our community. They live amongst us. We are them and they are us. Everything about impoverishment isn't about the economic dollar. Sometimes impoverishment is about not having your soul right. Sometimes impoverishment is not about you not having the money, but not being willing to walk it out by the grace of God. Sometimes impoverishment is about saying, this is mine and that's yours, and you can't touch that. Sometimes impoverishment is about our spiritual well-being, not being gravitating to grace. But greed, 
She got it, I want it, he got it, I want it, they got it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And God said, I'm providing your need. God is in the business of recognizing the fulfillment of his promises. So at that point, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph dealt with a different kind of fulfillment. But they made the sacrifice against the law of the day. Then there's two persons, Simeon and Anna. And the whole thing there is that Luke deals with fulfillment both from the side of a woman's perspective and a man's perspective. Luke brings it from both angles, letting you know that the prophet, thus saith the Lord. For you see that when Simeon came into the experience, the fulfillment was about him hearing and seeing the baby Jesus. The scripture between verses 25 and 33 talk about Simeon's experience and being having a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Can you say Holy Spirit? There's things that we don't understand, but the revelation of the Holy Spirit will come unto us and show us things. In the midnight hour that we have to recognize that we won't yet see in today's time, but he told us that our faith will take us there to believe in. For you see, Simeon heard a word from the Holy Spirit. I had an opportunity over the last couple of days to just walk away from Port Arthur, Texas. It ain't personal, but I needed to walk away for just a minute to get an opportunity to talk only to God. Don Heller tell you I didn't call him much. I was like, he's in the hands of the Lord. <laughs> I need to go away for a minute. My mama was fine. My children were fine. Situation was gone. I just needed to close it out. Not because there was anything done particularly, but because the Lord needed to have a talk with me. And I needed to be in a place I could hear him. It ain't about the place all the time, but it's about where our heart is so that we can focus and concentrate. And for me, I needed to have my own Simeon moment. I needed to know that the Lord could still speak to me. I needed to get quiet in the space with God. I needed to just sit down and shut up. Yeah, I said shut up. Because sometimes you got to talk to all the ladies in your life and all the men in your life and all the things that are going on racing in your heart, racing in your mind. You just got to say, park the car, shut it down. Needing to hear from the Holy Spirit, Simeon heard from the Lord. For me, I needed to look at what is 2006 all about? What markers in my life are coming into fulfillment? When was the last time I had experienced January 1 on a Sunday? Where was I when it happened the last time? What was going on in my life? What was I dealing with? What if I had not yet let go? Everybody needs a Simeon moment. But that was an opportunity for salvation to be in the fulfillment process of life. 
the gift that the Holy Spirit gave Simeon that said, you will see the King Jesus before you die. He didn't serve high, he didn't serve low, he went right to Mary and Joseph. He saw the great and wonderful King Jesus. But why is it important to us today? I'm glad you asked. Because Simeon, Simeon made sure that the eyes of the Gentile was able to see the king. Well, you see, in the customary times where Judaism was weapon and Christianity was just being molded and shaped and situated, Simeon represents our ability to receive the grace of God, everyone. Galatians talks about neither Jew nor Gentile. We have to recognize how important it is that the fulfillment come to pass. Then there was Anna. And Anna represents both an experience with the Lord, but an experience with praise. And that's where I say to you this day, where we're going is not just enough to get the promise, but can you praise them through until the promise comes to pass. Can you unwrap the gift and still praise them? Can you see a new gift and still praise them? Can you walk in darkness, be in the valley of the shadow of death and still praise them? Can you receive God's breath upon you? And know that he is God. Simeon was a devout man of Christianity. Anna was a prophetess of the Lord. But nothing more is greater than the revelation that grace is given unto us. On this first day of January, this scripture brings to our mind that there's covenants and promises made every day. That the favor of the Lord is with us at all times. That the Wesley and Renewal Covenant that spoke to people year in and year out of Methodist faith. The important part is, is that we hear the promise of the Lord. So I say to you this day, we are Methodists and we are children of the King. Methodist history tells us that there is a method in how we will walk out our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't believe more or less than Baptists. We don't believe more or less than Presbyterians. It is a different denomination, but it's by promise, by covenant, and by grace that we walk out our faith. If you look in the bulletin today, there's a statement in there that talks about what it is that we believe. It's important for us to recognize that grace is given unto us. Provenient grace is the grace that covers us. The saving grace is the grace that allows us, when we walk into our relationship with Jesus Christ, His grace is always with us. But when you make that commitment, when we brought those children in for baptism, they're part of this body of Christ. Grace is recognizing that He covers us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. And that the promise is real. But you see, the Wesley Covenant reminds us that we would commit ourselves to Christ as his, ser as his servant. 
And it goes on to say, let me be your servant under your command. I am no longer mine, my own. I give myself to you for your will to be done. And then it goes on to say, Lord, make me be what you will be. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you. Let me lay aside. Let me be full. Let me be empty. But more important, let me have a willing heart. And then it proceeds to remind us that set aside time to be with God. To spend time before the Lord. To seek earnestly God's assistance. And there's many other promises that are in this. Next week we will have an opportunity to install our leaders. Part of what I will hope and pray is that we will become more familiar with the covenants and the promises and the praise and the revelation of who God is, not only through us, but by us and on an ongoing basis, what each of us are called to do in the name of Jesus. Yes, you're here on a special day, January 1st. Let the covenant of the Lord resonate in your heart. Let the promises of the Lord be revealed in your heart. And let the grace of God be the guiding force that helps you love the Lord with all your heart. And allow you to turn, just as you said to your neighbor earlier, turn to your neighbor again and say, the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. Tell him again. The Lord loves you. And guess what? Tell him I'm so alive. And so alive. Amen. One thing about a family, we got to learn how to love one another through it all. So will you stand and sing the hymn of praise? I love to tell the story on one.